Today's reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 36 to 47. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Good morning. I'm so glad you can make it. We're going to think a bit more about part of the passage there that was read of God's word. And so let's pray to him now before we do so. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. And we ask you, please, would your word be our rule? Would your spirit be our teacher? And would your glory be our chief concern? We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our focus this morning is on that final paragraph of the passage, Vax chapter 2. It's a description of the earliest church. And it's a picture that most of us find beautiful. Not all of us, but most of us. Maybe it gets your heart beating quicker and your soul yearning. I long to be a part of a people like that. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher and theologian, once said, Whereas Christ turned water into wine, the church has managed to do something altogether more difficult. It has turned wine into water. And many would agree with that sentiment. The average Briton feels they really don't want anything to do with the institution of the church. The internal divisions, the sex abuse scandals, the worldliness, the irrelevance. To which we might say, oh well that's them, other churches elsewhere. There's lots wrong with them, but that's not my church. Look, I know enough about Goldstone, Bishop Hannington and Holy Cross to know that each one has real strengths. But God sets before us this picture of church and he purposefully sets the bar very high. He wants his people to be simply stunning. So surely this picture leaves no room for any church member to be satisfied with where our church is at right now. At the same time, it ought to give us excitement for where our church could be before long. Just think, who was this church in Jerusalem? Well, this was a bunch of ordinary, sinful, weak human beings, like 
my church and yours, like me and you. And what turned these ordinary people into an extraordinary people, not inspirational leadership or brilliant strategy, what changed them into this loving, vibrant, attractive, God-glorifying people was God, by his spirit, through his word. So what? Also this, the same God is at work among us today. The same powerful Holy Spirit lives in us today and can bring this about for Goldstone, Bishop Hannington and Holy Cross today as we learn from his word. That thrills me. Now let's catch up with the story of this church. This church was born on the day of Pentecost when large crowds heard God's startling good news message about Jesus. The Apostle Peter declared to them, God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. Then at verse 38... He said, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, believe it or not, 3,000 of them did just that. But what did they do next? Well, they didn't go back and get on with their lives like before. How could they? They've turned to God through Jesus. And that changes everything. They belong to God now. And he has filled them with, their, with his spirit. And he's given them the desire and the power to know him and please him in their life. And of course they're all together in that. As God's people, each of them now belong with God's people. Well, that made all the difference to how they lived. They didn't have God and his people as a little slice of their lives. How could they? Now, all that is true about you if you too have turned to God through Jesus. You belong to God and you belong with God's people. And that ought to make all the difference to how we live. There were four things that each of them in this uh, early church now devoted themselves to. And that's what made them beautiful. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I am convinced that if each of us were committed to each of these four, well then our churches would be phenomenal. You see, look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Wonders and signs is a special phrase in the Bible. It means miracles. And and yes, absolutely God can do miracles today. But by using the special Bible phrase, wonders and signs, our author is saying they're playing a particular role here. These wonders and signs both authenticate the apostles as being uniquely authoritative. We'll think about that soon. But they also authenticate this church's four devotions as being God-given, the the right ones. Well, I want to be a a part of a church, uh, awe-filled, being wowed, by the work of God amongst us. I'm sure you do too. But this cannot be a project just for other people. So I hope and pray that here and now, you will decide to own each of these four. Well, here's how I'd put it. Four devotions of a church in step with the Spirit. First, a church in step with the Spirit is devoted to learning and living the Word of God. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
We might say, God's people in Jerusalem opened a school. And what was it for? It was somewhere to feed their insatiable desire to learn from God's word. Who enrolled? Not just the pastors, but everyone in the whole church. A church in step with the Spirit is always a church strong on learning the word. Each of us ought to be devoted to learning more of the person and work of God the Father, Son and Spirit, that we might know him, praise him and trust him. Each of us ought to be devoted to learning how to shape our lives together under God and how to do every aspect of our lives according to his good ways. Well, that involves being devoted to the apostles' teaching, which for us is the New Testament. You see, the apostles lived with Jesus. They're the authorities on Jesus, and they were given a special commission by God. God makes their special status clear by their ability to do wonders and signs, just like Jesus did. It showed that their teaching bore the authority of Jesus himself. Well, thank God, we today have their teaching. Come down to us in the New Testament. So it's not that others can't teach. It is that the only teachers we're to care for are those who are faithful to the apostles' teaching as we have it in Scripture. Their teaching went into the Bible, so ours should come out of it. But then why have I called this being devoted to learning rather than devoted to teaching? Well, it's because we're not told that the apostles were devoted to teaching. We're told that the Christians were devoted to their teaching. And that's different. Being devoted to learning means you listen to the Bible lots. Of course you do. You read the Bible for yourself. A couple from Holy Cross mentioned how they were on a socially distanced walk nearby. They came across a man reading his Bible. They got chatting. The chap had recently become a Christian and couldn't stop reading the Bible. What else? What else would it look like? Well, maybe you'd be committed to a, a, a small Bible study group. Maybe you'd read the Sunday service passage in advance. Maybe you'd listen to a sermon as you exercise or go for a car ride or spend an evening in by yourself or with uh, others in the family. Maybe you'll listen to the Sunday passage and sermon again so that God's word might really get to grips with you. Maybe you jump at the chance to read the Bible one-to-one with someone. Maybe you read or listen to books which help you understand the Bible better. And when a fellow believer looks to share something from the Bible with you, hey, you're so pleased, because you're devoted to learning and living God's word. But of course, as that points out, listening is not the end point. Being devoted to this means listening and allowing what we hear to shape us. Someone devoted to learning is someone always changing and growing in response to God's word. So will you devote yourself to learning and living God's word? Everyone can be so devoted, and everyone should be. No exceptions, no excuses. What do you need to start or stop to put that into practice? Whatever it is, friends, it'll be worth it. Next up, a church in step with the Spirit is devoted to the people of God. They're devoted to the people of God. So take a look again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. 
That word fellowship has become one of those Bible words that we've twisted out of shape. For many, fellowship is like a mystical air that descends on two Christians as they drink coffee together. We often call that a time of fellowship, don't we? Now look, actually, the, the word has to do with sharing in something. So if we all enjoyed Joe Wicks's online workout sessions, that would result in a kind of fellowship between us. Uh, that's, a, that's a big if, isn't it? Well, Christians share something far more than a common interest. People in Christ have everything that really matters in common. The same Lord and Saviour, the same Spirit, the, the, the same ultimate desires, the same hope, and so on. Of course, that ought to impact our lives profoundly. Most of us know what it is to live with family at home. Mum, dad, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, maybe others. And in most cases, it's a case of being devoted to one another, right? Well, we're to devote ourselves to our church family. Some Christians I know are sometimes a part of a church of church meetings, yet still they manage to keep the church members out of their lives. The New Testament knows nothing of individual Lone Ranger Christians. So let's see some ways that their devotion to fellowship is expressed. Take a look down at verse 44. All the believers were together. And like us, they didn't live together in a commune. Many had their own homes. But still they regarded themselves as a community. And so they were together a great deal. Let's see more. The believers were together, all the believers were together, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And that might suggest they gave up all private property, but no, the very next verse speaks of them continuing to live in their own homes. And nor was this communism. No one was forced to do this. But that's what makes it all the more stunning. This was people who, who didn't think of their homes and their possessions and their money as their individual property to be used only for their own needs. And they thought of themselves as one body and their stuff as, as given by God uh, to be shared. So when a brother or sister was in need, they did what they could to meet it, even at cost to themselves. Like it's a kind of action we might only reserve for a blood family member. Well, we are family in church. Our parish hardship fund set up by Bishop Hannington is one example of God's people caring for the needy amongst us. And I know that there have been plenty more in this time of lockdown. Well, we're all called to glad, sacrificial generosity when there is anyone needy amongst us. There's more to see. Look at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. How do you like the idea of everyday church? Does it sound good to you or is it your worst nightmare? Now, in fact, in Acts 2, this was still festival time. They're effectively on holiday, so it's unlikely that daily meetings carried on. But still don't miss the force of this. A group who basically did not know each other wanted to be together every day when they could. They wanted to share their common life in Christ. The attitude was more how much time can we spend together than how much time must we spend together to you know, not be thought flaky. Notice, they, they met in formal gatherings and informal gatherings, formally as a large group in temple courts and informally in each other's homes. And both matter for healthy church life. Some of us, sadly, are only at the formal Sunday gatherings once or twice a month. That's not devoted to fellowship and that's not keeping in step with the Spirit. 
But equally, while loads of us tick the boxes of one or two formal gatherings a week, that in itself isn't keeping in step with the Spirit either. The problem comes when we think of church as only that hour or so of a Sunday morning service. These guys didn't just share an experience for an hour or so a week. They gladly shared their lives with each other every day. So then you can't spot a spiritual church just by observing what happens for an hour or so each week on a Sunday. Because church is about people, relationships with each other. It's about the extent to which we express our unity and partnership in Christ 365 days of the year. This kind of lifestyle is harder than simply attending the formal meetings. I mean, it's moderately easy to smile at one another on a Sunday and ask, how are you? It's much harder for us to respond to that question by serving that person through life and through lip outside of the Sunday service and others too. But that is spirit-filled church life. It's about gladly having lots of contact, lots of life sharing, lots of serving. And you know, when you're at it, you realise it's something much more rewarding and God-honouring than living life with your church family at arm's length. Then I'll just imagine that every one of us was at it. Boy, I've never known that, but it must be wonderful. So imagine a church in normal time devoted to fellowship. People... In and out of one another's homes. People often putting on a simple meal and over time having all sorts of different church members over. People who jump at opportunities to relax together, go on trips together, hang out together. And not just with people they already know well. And people who, who initiate those things. And if a whole bunch of, everyone initiating such, such things. That's a church devoted to fellowship. How might this devotion be expressed during lockdown? You can think for yourselves, of course, but I guess it would include phone calls, Zoom chats, sending each other encouraging cards, letters, WhatsApp messages, providing practical service. And friends, if we're not categorised as vulnerable, we can regularly meet up with one other church member from a different household in a public space. Those staying a minimum of two metres apart. So no holy kisses allowed. But look, it's about the attitude. When I love God's people, then various expressions of devotion will follow. Week after week after week after week after. Now, of course, life comes in seasons. In some seasons, we'll be able to do more, in others less. And we're all wired differently. Some enjoy a crowded room, even a crowded Zoom. Others really don't. But whatever the variety of life, hear this. There's no season in which any of God's people ought to be anything other than devoted to God's people. And lockdown or no lockdown, we all have to step out of our comfort zones to spend time together expressing that devotion. So for many of us, I'm sure that putting this into practice will mean some changes to how we spend our days, what plans we make, what initiatives we take. But when you do, you won't regret it. And neither will the rest of us. Okay, uh, how are we doing for time? Um, two of the four down, 17 odd minutes gone. Don't worry. We'll spend less time on the next two. Look, a church in step with the Spirit is devoted to learning and living God's Word. Devoted to the people of God. Thirdly, devoted to the Gospel of God. So see what comes next. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Now, Jewish meals in those days began with bread being broken and then passed around. Sorry about the noise. But notice that 
These guys devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which seems to be Luke's term for the Lord's Supper, which is all about remembering and enjoying the gospel. Now put those two together and, and, and add, add with it that uh, in verse 46, they, they, they ate together. Um, it seems to be, well, we need to put to one side thoughts of this set formula we have for doing the Lord's Supper in a church service. It looks like here they didn't draw the distinction we do between the Lord's Supper and an ordinary meal. So then what's stopping us from getting together for a meal? And as one part of that evening, or whatever lunch, <laughs> whatever part of that meal, remembering the salvation Jesus has won for us at the cross. Uh, the answer to that question is lockdown. That's what's stopping us. And yet at the same time, some of us are part of Christian families and we could do it. And when we do it, we can invite others to join us on Zoom. And so then lockdown perhaps isn't the only thing stopping that. Lockdown on lo- no lockdown. You might think, I'm not doing that. I mean, talk about awkward. Like, I get that. I really do. And yet, here are three things that have given me food for thought on this. For starters, when everyone you're with has received this great salvation, why would you only want to limit your sharing to a favourite joke and a tiramisu? Why not include the gospel too? Also, We all have a tendency to leak the gospel. I forget it easily. I need topping up regularly. And God gives us other believers to help remind us of Jesus. So to have a bit of time over a meal of church goers where you remember the cross. It's a great kindness to to the guests. One more thing. When saved people enjoy their salvation with other saved people. Well, it brings us joy. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Genuine praise is never false, and this is genuine praise. When you're genuinely praising God, you're by definition full of the greatest joy. Well, no wonder we've sometimes just got to sing our praise to God. The point I'm trying to make then is that the gospel is not just for Sunday services. If we won't work at reminding brothers and sisters of the gospel in even our informal meetings, get-togethers, we deny ourselves and them the potential for glad and sincere hearts and joyful praise of God. A church in step with the Spirit is one where each person is devoted to sharing the gospel with one another. Finally, one more commitment, one final commitment for us to adopt. We also want to be devoted to praying to God. Verse 42, one last time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, in fact, the the original has the definite article again here. They devoted themselves to the prayer, it, it actually says. And that could well be a reference to set hours for prayer. At the beginning of the next chapter, we find Peter and John going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Uh, this is a clear endorsement of Bishop Hannington's, Bishop Hannington Church's decision to rename your monthly prayer meeting the prayer meeting. One of the largest churches in Seoul has a prayer meeting at 4.30am every day. One of the smaller churches in Hove now has a prayer meeting at 9.30am, six days a week. Allocated time for praying with the church. Those are important. But of course, scheduling prayer meetings doesn't mean that a whole church is devoted to praying together. It's wonderful to have a faithful few at our prayer meetings at Holy Cross. And in some cases, uh, more than ever before. 
But will it last beyond lockdown? It may. It may well. But even so, why do we rarely talk about the faithful many? The fact is that the worst attended meetings of any church are usually the prayer meetings. Whereas for them, they devoted themselves to them. Now, is that because praying with, is that for us, uh, that, that lack? Is it because play, praying with others is hard work? It is. And yet, they knew this hard work is vital work. Is it because we don't think prayer really works? Well, it may feel like that, and yet it really makes a difference in us and in our world. Is it because we lack confidence in praying out loud with others? Well, perhaps. And yet we're just coming with our brothers and sisters to talk to our Father and our big brother in heaven. Is it because we don't get much out of it ourselves? Hmm. It's been said, if you want to know what churchgoers think of a church, go to the morning service. If you want to know what churchgoers think of the pastor, go to the evening service, if there is one. If you want to know what churchgoers think of Jesus, go to the prayer meeting. This church shows that people in step with the Spirit of Christ are devoted to praying together. So will you here and now devote yourself to praying, yes, individually, and also with God's people? So four devotions of a church in step with the Spirit, devoted to learning and living God's word, devoted to God's people, devoted to God's gospel, and devoted to speaking to God. Now hang on, though, what happened to evangelism? It might surprise you that sharing the gospel with outsiders isn't listed here. But that's partly because the focus is on the church's life together here. And then besides, did you notice what we're told at the end? This church, verse 47, was enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think this is a strong hint that the attractiveness of this new community's life played a huge part in people being saved. Now, an attractive community doesn't in itself save anyone. It's impossible for a person to be saved unless someone witnesses to them, speaks to them about Jesus. Peter did that for these people. That's how they were saved. However, a church devoting themselves to these four things is not off-putting or irrelevant to outsiders. Now, clearly, it was happening publicly. Non-Christians must be encountering our communities. And when they do, it'll be magnetic. It is stunning. And it validates the gospel that they are hearing. And God will use that to add to our number those who are being saved. Well, doesn't this ramp up the importance of each of us devoting ourselves to each of these four things? So then one last word. Devotion is a strong word. It means making something an ongoing priority. And in life, you can't be devoted to a lot of things. So the question is, will we reconfigure life such that we're devoted to what our God calls us to? Will you do that? Will I? In the Bible, God doesn't call us to be devoted to a lot of things. Not education, not leisure and hobbies, not even work. Oh, God says those have their place, but he doesn't say be devoted to them. Whereas we are told to be devoted to the word, to fellowship, to the gospel and to prayer. For that to happen, we may well have to loosen our grip on those other things. 
things we'll find hard to loosen our grip on. I've never experienced a whole church devoted to the word, to fellowship, to the gospel and to prayer. And if I'm realistic, I've never fully played my part. And yet, if you and I, each of us, were, the results would be an awe-inspiring movement of God amongst us and through us. So friends, how about it? Shall we? Just a moment of quiet as we think about those things. And let's pray. Lord God, we are convicted. We know that our church is not what it should be. And we haven't played our part. And we ask your forgiveness and thank you that you give it through Jesus. But we're also encouraged because we know that your Holy Spirit is amongst us today. So help us not to be grieving the Spirit, but to be open to his work in our lives, individually and corporately. Please change us to be the people you want us to be. For your glory amongst us and in our neighbourhoods. Amen.